Good morning, and let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to open your word, study, listen to your word, prepare the message, and share it. Thank you again, Lord, for bringing us together, whether it's online, live stream, in one place, your presence is always there, no matter what. Thank you, Lord, again for, for this wonderful day. It may not be for some places, but there's always a reason behind any bad weather. We pray, Lord, that uh, we'll be protected along the way as we journey this pandemic with your help, with your guidance, with your strength, and with your mercy. Again, as we open our hand to listen to your word, please forgive us, and may you be increased and we decrease. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The message for today is really about the... There's many meanings to that, or many titles the triumphant entry, the Palm Sunday, um, you know, Jesus entering Jerusalem. There's many. We could, you know, we could name a few. But what does it really mean to us? What does it really mean to every Christian and everyone who has been there during the past? And what does it mean to us like right now? I remember in 2018, I also did the same uh, message, and I focused on the song Hosanna and the, the interpretation of what it is, the shouting and the claim in the song itself. Today, we will read the scripture, and basically, what does it mean? And we'll be focusing on Mark, uh, the book of Mark, chapter 11. Verses 1 to 11. And as we read. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem. To Bethpage and Bethany. At the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them. Go into the village. In front of you. And immediately as you enter. It you will find a cult. Tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found the colt tied at a door outside in the street. And they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing? Untying the colt. And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he, 
is the, the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. As we look at those words, um, we, we, we tend to see all the, the practicalities of it. Right? Uh, Jesus wanting, going into commanding or telling the disciples, go, get the call. As if it's so simple. Um, later we'll, we'll see what can, what will, you know, what does it really mean and, and, and how it works. In the view of the Passion Week, we all begin at a great account of Jesus entering Jerusalem. This great event would begin a journey that would end at the cross. But at the end, it was just the beginning. Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem proved his triumph. There are three particular events that, that's transpiring at that moment. First is the hope of the king, the hope for a king. Many centuries have passed with nations expecting a mighty king. Right now, we might not have that particular description of a king or expecting a king, but the great leader, I would say, a great prime minister, president, or whoever, whatever the position may, may be. Israel had seen its share of kings. Saul, David, and Solomon each reigned over 40 years in the United Kingdom. However, after 930 BC, two kingdoms formed, the Northern Kingdom under Israel and the Southern Kingdom, the Judah. Both experienced wicked kings and ungodly leadership, which resulted in captivity. The hope for a righteous king was in the hearts of every, every citizen at that time. They are becoming frustrated. And then with the rule governed by the, the Romans at the time, they are becoming more frustrated. If we look at verses 1 to 8, we see a straightforward request from our Lord Jesus Christ. Straightforward. An action from the disciples and the reaction from the people. Go into the village, Jesus Christ said. The good news is the gospel that the salvation has come to mankind. That is actually what we need to focus on. It is the revelation of a Savior given to man by God's grace and mercy. Jesus' journey through Bethany was probably because it was important to him. This city was on the way to Jerusalem and reveals for us his omniscience. It means all-knowing, and Jesus is certainly all-knowing. In verse 2, he begins to prepare his arrival into Jerusalem by asking for a cult. Straightforward. Go pick up that cult. And said to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately ask 
you enter, immediately as you enter, um, you will find a call tied which, okay, on which, we have to be specific on this one, and this one I only saw recently. No one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. One of the references that I, I was given by, by Pastor Brent and is really, really helpful to understand better. It says under, you know, his name is William Hendrickson. He says here in his commentary, it will be a cult upon which no one ever sat. Hence, an unbroken um, or unbacked cult by God's reserve for sacred use. Um, you will find some of those scriptures like in Numbers, in Deuteronomy, in Samuel. Um, it's not this also in line with the fact that Mary too was, uh, the, the, the cult was used by Mary was unused. And it's so, it's so amazing how, how this is. Still a virgin. When Jesus was conceived within her womb and even at his birth, Okay, this is in Matthew 1.25 and Luke 1.34. The tomb also in which the body of the dead Jesus was laid has, has, had never been used. Everything is reserved. Everything is unused. Everything is used. Uh, everything is new. Just for the Lord Jesus Christ. We notice, he continues, therefore, that there is... Um, nothing haphazard about the, uh, the triumphal entry. Everything has been carefully planned and is orderly and appropriate exactly how it should be. And that's how we look at about the cult. Just looking at that one, this description, it's been preserved for the Lord. Then come the, um, I would say, um, in verse 3. Verse 3 was also an amazing one, wherein it says, to tell them the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. I think this is the first time that he, he claimed to be the Lord at this point in time. That he is our Lord to, in front of the disciples. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, well, the Lord has a need of for it or of it, and will send it back immediately. He uses the word "kyrios." I don't know if I pronounce it right. That's uh, that's in in Greek. I would say, um, yeah, in Greek, which simply means master or "kyrios." This is the first time he he ever referenced himself on this way in Mark. Previously, it has been as the Son of Man. So it is now changed a tone into being our Lord, our Master. It is almost sharper in intention and very direct in how he responds. This is for the Lord, and it is needed. It implies trust in the request to ask. We need to stress here the messianic revelation 
of who Jesus is begins to take place. And important to note also the immediate response, again, by the disciples. And if we look at verse 4, and they went away and found the cult tied really immediate. Everything is immediate. They found the cult and untied it and brought it to Jesus. And when they were questioned, verses 5 and 6, okay, um, it's like the owner said, no problem, take it. It's as easy as that because I think the Lord knows what's going to happen and they know what is happening. And, the, you know, the cloaks is in the same, in, the, in this time were used to attempt to soften the hardness of the animal because it's a brand new cult which was not ever used. So it could have like a, a hard back and therefore the cloak was used to, to uh, at least soften it for the Lord. Saddles would have been for the rich, and so cloaks could help, help him, help with comfort. In verse 7, as we can see. The cloaks on the ground are an art, are an act of chivalry, an expression of love and devotion. They are willing to give up their outer garments for the Lord's comfort. That's in verse 8. The crowd seems devoted to Jesus here, don't they? But I think we're missing the point. In one of the commentaries as well by uh, Larry, Larry Hortado, he says, In the original situation of Jesus' ministry, it is unlikely that Jesus' entrance was recognized as the appearance of the Messiah by any more than a few of his disciples at best. He continues, the enthusiasm of the crowd was both the reverence for a respected prophet, which they regarded Jesus to be, and the joy of a religious festival they had come to celebrate. But, of course, Mark here, as elsewhere, intends his readers to see the true significance in the event, perceiving more deeply than the human figures in the history. They were looking at the expectation at that time was a short-founded expectation. Jesus' arrival prompted their notions to welcome him as the Messiah, feeling that Jesus would set up a literal okay, kingdom during his ministry. They were expecting him to, to be a king, a leader, to go against the Roman Empire at that moment. However, they missed the point. We missed the point. As always, we missed the point. And by God's grace and mercy, we, um, you know, he, he, he always understands us. We miss the point. Why do we go to church? Why do we need to go to church? Is it just to become a part of it? Or is it something that we need to serve 
and not be served. Why do we have to learn to the preachers? Why do we have to learn to the messages? Is, because, is it because we're getting something out of it? And then we pay the bill? Or is it something, the reason why we're here, why we're listening, because we are inspired by the word of God that we see the messenger to be instruments. The message itself and not the messenger per se. Jesus said in Luke 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek, to seek and to save the lost. The mission of Jesus was to the nation. The Messiah, Savior, has arrived. There was a hoping of a king. Second event that was happening at that time. The advent, the introduction of the king. Now bear in mind that uh, I'm, I'm, yes, I'm here. I'm giving the message. I'm sharing the message. And I'm also guilty with those questions that I asked before. And, and uh, we realize at the end that we are here to serve the Lord, not to be served. We are here to minister to other, to, to give ministry to other people, not to be ministered. If especially, especially if we already have been confessing that we are Christians for the longest time. Second event, introduction of the king. Jesus' arrival represents the greatest advent for all kings. The king of kings, the lord of lords, was in the midst of the people that day. I don't know if, you know, what will I be reacting if suddenly the Lord is here with us. Maybe we'll be um, in awe. But that's because we know already the scripture. We've already read. And if he introduced himself to us right now in front of us, we will be in awe, we will be for sure be lying down or kneeling down and ask for forgiveness. But during that time, it's different. People were confused. People were mixed. Is this a leader as a Messiah that according to the scripture or a leader according to what we know to, to, to go against the Roman Empire? His humility that was present in his, at his birth was to, present, uh, to be presented here. He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, stating his humility, authority, and sovereignty. People laid down their garments. Some showed palm uh, branches across the road. All as symbols of appreciation for a king or for the king. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he coming the, ki the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, bear that in mind, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. What begins to take place? 
shape now is for all purposes. A parade for, for, for Jesus in verse 9. It is a glorious entry into the city of God. The city at the center of his heart. As prophesied in Zechariah 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Hosanna literally means save now, save us. It's a desire expressed by all who see him. Is that still our desire at present? Do we still cry out, Hosanna, please save us from all the things that's going on. Save us for all the, the, um, uh, the uh, abuses that's happening globally. Hosanna. Same word in Psalm 118, verse 25. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. This title claims his ability to deliver us from our sins, to be our Messiah. As the people proclaim, he, usher, he ushers in the coming of the kingdom of David, and even in Matthew first shows the lineage of Jesus, and here the crowd confirms it. And if you remember the past studies about Ruth, Pastor Brent has emphasized that about the lineage of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to the point we're in, he is our Messiah. He is our Lord. As the people proclaim, again, he, he really ushers us to the kingdom of David. But even for their desire to see Jesus come, they missed the when. Because they wanted, like, at that time. You know, their expectation was that he would set up a ruling kingdom now. Expecting that he would remove Rome and their oppressive leadership that time. They were ready to, to, to see that happen. But for the wrong reasons. They worshipped him because of what he could do for them. They never said what they were willing to give up for him. They merely expected things from him and therefore he's to be praised. Are we doing the same thing now? What are, you know, what's the church, what is the church that can, what can the church do for me? I think that's the question as always. It's not the question of what can I do for the church. What can I do for, for, our, for, for the pastor? We always expect the pastor to do something for us. But no. We have to do the reverse. What can we do for Christ? What can we do for the Lord? But let us check 
our intentions. Let us check the reason why we are doing that. At that time, they were expecting something immediately. We're very, you know, often in our lives, we are very um, uh, wanting like right, right now. You know, what we want to do now. Actually, the pandemic had, had really stopped that. We kind of lied low. We're so busy flying in and out of different countries. Uh, if you look at back in 2018, 2019, before this happened, people were flying in and out. Christmas, every time there's a, a celebration, uh, Thanksgiving, New Year and everything, you, you see airports being, you know, they're, they're rushing. Everything is a rush. Fast food. You want everything, you know, we want to order. We want it now. I'm hungry. And we didn't have time for our families at, at some point because we're rushing everything. The pandemic had stopped those and say, wait a minute, you guys are forgetting something. And suddenly people started to go back again to prayer, to their families, relaxing, meditating. But uh, that's what's happened, and that's what was happening at that point in time. They were merely expecting things again, as I would like to emphasize, things from him, and therefore he is to be praised. Reflection on our side. Do we come to Jesus like this as always? Is Jesus our Savior, our pastime, or our Redeemer? As Jesus enters the, uh, the city of Jerusalem, it has a very quiet mood at the time. In the Gospel of Matthew, he actually records that the city was quite alive and vibrant. But, the true, but true to Mark's record of this, he sees it after the entry of events. We know there was a great fanfare upon his entry. Uh, that was obvious. What's happened is the fanfare has settled down and Jesus takes a stock. He takes a look at the town and then goes to Bethany for the evening to relax. Probably because this is the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and is quite his second home in a sense. If you look at that, there's a reason again behind why he looked. And actually, in one of the Gospels, he was with tears when he saw Jerusalem. And that's something that we need to look into also. Yet Jesus is far greater than the evening event. Okay, Little did they know this king would lay down his life for, for even those who rejected his arrival. We see that second event as the hope of a king and the advent of a king. Third event. The reverence or giving adoration for the king. Hosanna describes very purpose to Jesus save now. This was a song that was prophesied to be announced uh, at the arrival of a Messiah in Psalms 118, 25 and 26. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray. Give us success. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, who bless you from the house of the Lord. And as we read again in verse 11, he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was very late, he went out to Bethany. Another reference, which is really interesting, that I find, again, by this, his name is Paul Barnett. The goal of Jesus' triumphant entry was not the city as such, but its temple. Mark, now introducing the second theme, writes that Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. Characteristically, he looked around and then in, literally in Greek, it's, it's like in a circle into the temple. At everything, clearly Jesus had come for a purpose, which we shall soon discover. But since it was already late, he went to Bethany with the twelve. Simon, the leper, and Lazarus, Martha, and Murray were all from Bethany, which was about five kilometers down the Jericho Road. Jesus and the twelve may have been belittled with these families while they were there. So they have, Jesus have considered that to be his stay home at that moment. But he went around into the temple. He went to the temple. He looked around and see, and it was already late. While the disciples watched, he paused, reflect on this sight, like watching a parent prepare to discipline. Remember, the temple's visit, he saw the tables. He knew the actions that happened there at that time. His heart ached for what God's people had made God's house into. His visit was intentionally clear that garbage should be taken out. At times for us to give adoration and reverence to our king, we need to, 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 to cleanse our church, the church, our, our own church. Church of the trash as well. We have to get rid of what we're doing in our lives. Our church, our body, our minds, our thinking. This is the house of prayer for all nations. All are welcome. Here we let it become a den of thieves and robbers. The praise filled the air that day. The cries of rejoicing impressed on the hopeless hearts for the king's arrival. Adoration and giving reverence takes praise to the next level by simply saying, I love your ways, O Lord. Yet the praises this day would soon end. The praises that came from some tips, uh, oh, sorry, from some lips would change and adapt to, uh, pressures of, to the pressures of society. And as many as these voices were present at the sentencing of Jesus, 
we're also a part of the Christ crucify him. Crucify him. Where are we at this point in time? I would like just to share and then I'll close. In, uh, in a, 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 the Bible called the serendipity, it helps you to, there's some questions, challenging questions to each and every one after a group study. And, and this one was taken from the book of Luke, the same triumphal entry. It says, what would you have said if you were one of the disciples Jesus sent to go and get the cult? Possible answers. I could get arrested for this. Or, this sounds important. Another answer is, this sounds hard. How will we find this cult? Or, could say, oh, no problem, we'll go. What do we answer? Why do you think Jesus arranged the triumphal entry? Possible answers. To confuse people about the mission and identity. To receive people's praise. To fulfill prophecy. To declare openly that he was the Messiah. To start the crackdown. Oh, sorry, the countdown. Sorry, to, to start the countdown on the cross. Or to the cross. Why do you think the crowd responded the, the, that way, the way they did? Because it was Palm Sunday. Because of the miracles Jesus had performed. Because they realized Jesus was the Messiah. Because they, they thought Jesus was acting like a deliverer and king. Or because Jesus observed, uh, de de sorry, deserved their praise and honor. But why for us now? What caused Jesus to weep over Jerusalem? He was angry at the people's hardness of heart? Probably. He was saddened by their rejection? Jesus was sad that the people of God failed to recognize his coming. As we do at times, we always fail to recognize him first. Again, I'm guilty of that. He foresaw the destruction of the city. If Jesus rode into your community to announce his claim as the son of God, what would be the most common reception he would get? Possible, question, possible answers, polite applause, sneers and jeers, joyful heartfelt praise, cold stares, cruel treatment, and apathetic yawn. Oh, it's boring. It's Christ. How did Jesus enter your life? How did Jesus enter our lives? We need to reflect that again. As a knight on a white horse? As a warrior on a chariot? As a rabbi with an armful of scrolls? 
as an authoritative king with a penetrating gaze or as a humble servant on a colt? I am just an instrument for the message. And even me, when I was reading and looking at these words, there's always like a prick in my heart and say, you're, you're the one. <laughs> you're one of those who said, crucify him. Truly many have missed, many have rejected the message of the Messiah. He is king of all kings. And that we need to remember. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give the thanks and praise for this day. Remembering, yes, it is as what we designated to, designated to be Palm Sunday. But the palm used is just a part. There's still many things. And the key to this day is remembering your entry, O Lord Jesus Christ, your son's entry to Jerusalem, entry to our lives, entry to every country for a change. That's how it should be remembered from what I understand. And not just a day to stand up and wave, put on the clothes down on the floor. It's, it's more about that. And again, we thank you, Lord, for your book. Thank you, Lord, for your scriptures to remind us all these things. As we continue, Lord, please help us, strengthen us, forgive us. And thank you for your grace and mercy in Jesus' name. Amen.